Greetings, my name is Michael Govier, and I welcome you to the latest episode of the First Day Podcast. Join my co-host Leanne Hello and myself for this week's episode, which focuses on collective trauma. Now, the tragedy that happened at Oxford High School last week has been enormously, enormously impactful in many ways, and the community is forever changed. As two local Detroit area people, Leanne and myself had to talk about this. And we're not trying to jump on an opportunity to take advantage of some publicity. Far from it. This show is about empowerment, wisdom, education, mental health, and community. We care. And we believe that collective trauma needs to be talked about because there are so many moving parts to it. So settle in for this very important episode of The First Day Pod. Hello there, I'm Michael Govier. This is The First Day Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you aboard. That's Leanne Hello, my co-host, right? Is that you? It's me. Hi. Hi. Today's show is unusual in the fact that we're doing it on a Monday because... We spend the weekends together, and Sundays recently have been a little more challenging for us to get the show done and make sure that we can hang out together. In fact, uh, we might consider another show day change. Is that true? Might be, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see if that happens. Uh, In the meantime, we're here right now, and today's focus is going to be on collective trauma. And we're not going to shy away from the fact that the focus of the show really comes from the fact that the shooting in Oxford happened recently, and we're local Michiganders here. Even though you're Canadian, you're basically a Michigander. So yeah, yeah, my you're right I here. To, yeah, I used to spend um, July Fourth every year in Oxford. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my I uncle and my cousins live there. Yeah. Oh, well, see, I didn't know that. Uh, mm-hmm. We are always going to focus on things that are local as well because that's what we care about here but it usually our topics are timeless Um, they extend beyond borders or moments but collective trauma is very powerful and we'll talk about that in the show today thank you for joining us on our unusual day of recording of course you can follow us here sub the youtube channel right leanne that'd be fun yes please see yes please isn't that nice? How can you turn that down? Uh, hi, Josh. Josh is here. And uh, oh, Ed's here. What's up, Ed? Good to see you, buddy. Hey, Ed. A pleasure as always. Uh, it's been a minute since I've seen you, so it's good to see you. I am also recommending that you give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. This is a podcast. Those of you listening right now in the podcast forum, hi, hello. A special good day to you as well. And we have a book club that, in fact, we'll be doing in less than two hours which we do every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Is that true? It is. Oh, look, it blends in. It does. That's funny. Okay. Well, Brene Brown, uh, The Gifts of Imperfection, we're actually, we're finishing it this week. So um, at 8 o'clock tonight, we're going to be talking about the entire book. Um, But what's going to be cool is next week, um, I kind of like threw it out to the group and then I didn't really get much traction on it, but I think we're going to do it anyway. So next week, I think what we're going to do is 
instead of starting a new book and not being able to finish it before the end of the year, um, we're also going to be taking some time off during the holiday. So next week, what we're going to do is everybody's going to bring a book with them or like the title of a book with them that they want to read next. Instead of us just voting on a title, we'll say why we want to read it and kind of give our, um, you know, backing of what we want. And then we'll all vote through the holiday, um, to be able to get the next book. So if you are interested in joining us, we'd love to have you even for next week. Um, and you can let us know what your favorite book is and what you'd like in the book club next. Yay. (laughs) Excellent. The book club is a lot of fun. It's also informative and useful. People have met new friends through the book club. It does happen, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's people we didn't know and now they know us and we know them. And it's about, you know, it, it could depend on week to week, anywhere from eight to 12 people. You never know who's going to be in the book club each week, but everyone is welcome. So if you have interest in that, email us firstdaypod at gmail.com. This is the First Day Podcast. This is our live stream. You can talk in our chat, just like Ed says right here. Five stars always. Thank you, Ed. As always, you're a wonderful man. You can ask questions. You can tell us when we're wrong. You can just tell us things we didn't know. I mean, we don't know everything, do we, Leanne? No. I barely know anything. <laughs> oh, come on. You're funny. No, but that's what You're... I love about this. This is like, I always say this every week. I say this without all of our friends and the people. We get new people in the chat. It is the coolest part of this podcast. Like, I love having that back and forth to see what's going on, how people are feeling. We learn things even just from the chat. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. So let's get into it then. Uh, We're going to try to make the show as tight and as most beneficial to you as possible here because it is a busy day for us. Unusual recording day. Usually we record on Sunday evenings at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, just for the record, for those of you that are new to the show. All right. So let's dive into collective trauma. Now, collective trauma is an event, an action that occurs when that affects a community or a group. It is, it is just so jarring that forever alters. Uh, things can never be the same again. And that's definitely what happened in Oxford. And it was something that was so painful and uh, so out of the ordinary. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. But unfortunately, it happens all too often in this country. I think we're well aware of the history of School shootings in the United States these days. Do show school shootings happen in Canada, by the way? Oh, gosh. Ed, help me out here. I don't think so. I don't know of... I don't think so. Yeah, Ed would have to tell me, but I don't think we have. I think maybe for some reason something is ringing my... Uh, like that we had something in Toronto a few years ago, but... I mean, that's what it is. It's like, oh, I think there was something at some point, but it's not like, oh, yeah, here's all the ones that have happened in the last couple of years. Yeah, so Ed yeah. says yes, just not as big. Yeah. Josh and the family are in the whole car listening, by the way. Hey, Nick. Hey. Hey, Jameson. Hi, Rebecca. Hey, back. But yeah, our neighbor's right next to us, Canada, United States. Very similar in almost every way except this doesn't happen in canada but it happens here and we all know why that is we're not here to debate you know gun laws and gun rights because that's just a wormhole you're just going to go down this tube of awfulness and nobody's going to come to terms on anything but what we need to look at is why collective traumas do happen and the fact that they 
can forever alter the lives of people who are still developing. And I think that's one of the biggest, biggest issues here is you have a 15-year-old kid and people don't want to feel you know sympathy for a guy who killed four people. I get that. I'm not saying I do either, but he was 15 years old. And if you stop and look at it, a developing kid who was raised by parents who did not provide a stable environment or uh, at least an environment that set a baseline for decency, I think it's fair to say we could, we could say that now. And that kid wasn't given a fair shot. I, I don't know how to say it any other way than that. I feel bad for a 15-year-old because in 20 years, that 15-year-old kid, this this Ambry kid is going to look back and be like, oh, my God, it was so stupid. I, what was I thinking? I'm very confident that will happen. Now, you don't always get remorse, but usually with youthful offenders, you do later on in life. It's the older people who are already set their ways and they developed, unfortunately, and they commit crimes of murder and passion that are violent or gruesome. Sometimes they don't have remorse because they're already developed into that person. This is a, this is a kid. This is a minor, and he killed other minors. And then the community looks around and says, what the hell happened? How could this happen? And some people are in such a state of shock because they can't believe it happened because you've seen it on the news before, and you say how awful that is, and then it comes home to your area, and then it's like, my God, I never thought it would happen here. And we all say that, right? We all say that. I never thought that would happen to me. And then we're knee deep in it. And that's what collective trauma is. You never think it's going to happen to you. And then sadly, unfortunately, you're right in the middle of it. And you are forever changed. You can never go back to the person or the disposition that you had prior to what you were. Before that shooting happened in Oxford, there's a lot of people who were happy and excited about their futures. Students, teachers, parents, everybody, family members. They all were like, oh, yeah, though I'm excited for the most part. People are excited about their futures, and they had hope. And all that hope was snuffed out. And now wherever you go forever, a lot of the people, especially the victims, families, and loved ones, they're always going to remember this, and they'll never be able to quite look at the world the same way again. And that's what collective trauma does. It changes you forever. But it happens to a large group of people. It doesn't just happen to one person. And that's the problem. Josh is saying here in our comments, which you guys can jump in right now in the comments here in the First Day Podcast. Josh says the school flagged him for concerning behavior the day before and the day of. So obviously he had issues that were not addressed. Yes, um, I'm not going to. We're not going to litigate what the school's responsibility was. The school made mistakes. We know that it's unfortunate. Um, the kid was having issues. That's not a secret. The point of this show is to talk about how can we how can we cope? How can we look at what happened and try to not necessarily make sense of it, but at least understand because it gets really, really easy to start judging and jumping on people and saying, Hey, you did this to us and you ruined everything. And it's emotional. I could if I was a parent of a child and I lost my child in this gun violence, I understand the emotion. It's perfectly natural and understandable response. But if you're going to try to cope with it, and it's going to take time, too. This is the other thing. Nothing happens like that. It's not suddenly, hey, okay, well, 
All right, I kind of got this figured out now. It's really sad what happened, and I'm really bummed out, but I'm moving forward. Some people might not even be coming to terms with it yet. Everybody's on a different grief timeline. It's like a imagine an array of timelines that shoot out into the ether, and all these people are on different timelines. So that makes it more complicated, too, because somebody one day might be saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm kind of coming to terms with this, and it's really sad, but I also feel... You know, the poor kid was only 15 years old. He had terrible parents. I understand that angle. But meanwhile, someone else might be saying, what? How could you say that? That's ridiculous. And then you lead into chaos. And the key here for us is to try to not make things chaotic, to help ease tensions and be understanding. Open the lines of communication. Right, Leanne? Absolutely. 100%. But it's like, I feel like with this too, it's not just... It's not just this um, incident. Like, this is awful. And I'm going to be, like, 100% honest here. Yes, we um, we were having a hard time coming on yesterday because of scheduling and things like that. But also, I really didn't want to have the conversation. I know that it's super important. Um, I know that it's really, like, I'm very grateful that Mike – thought, you know what, we need to bring this to the table. We need to have this conversation. Um, I'm having a, a really difficult time with it. Um, and I don't know how to talk about it. And I don't know how, I don't even know how I'm feeling about it. Um, but one thing that I do know is that it's not independent of, it's not just this young man, his parents and the school. It's, that's not what this just is and at least for me because mm -hmm. for me it's so much bigger there's so much other things that are happening um the fact that like it's been going on for so long uh it just every time that something like this happens all of those other things that i haven't processed columbine and all of them i didn't process them properly so they come up um fears about you know losing people. I've lost cousins that were very young, all of that. So everything comes up. And I think it's a reminder that we haven't processed a lot of things in our life because then it's the same thing with a funeral. When funerals come up, we do cry because we're grieving and we do cry for the life that was lost. Um, but we also cry for our own um, mortality and we cry for those around us that we don't want to lose. And so it's there, there's just so much around it that it's, I think that's what makes it even more difficult not to downplay yeah. this, what's happening right now, of course, but it's just like, it's, it's just very difficult. Absolutely. It is. And there should be personal feelings related to this. That's what I'm saying. It's not all a uniform thing. I'm not trying to put this all into one little overall package that says, hey, this is the package that you need to be feeling and you should be acting this way starting now. No, 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 no. No, we're not doing that. Not doing that at all. We're also not here to dissect what happened in the details of the shooting because you could do that on your own time. Our show is about wisdom, empowerment, education. We talk about mental health. We always have. We always will. We're trying to understand and find not just meaning, but a better perspective or at least a, a more clear-cut perspective on what is happening and how we as people can come together to help one another. That, that matters a lot to us too, right? Yeah. 
Yes. See, she said yes. This is the First Day Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We're talking about collective trauma and overall just uh, associative traumas that happen to communities, that happen to groups. Uh, you know, The Holocaust is probably the biggest example of like a massive collective trauma. That thing is huge. And it's generational. This stuff, that's the thing. You think about, hey, okay, someone was killed, was murdered violently in Oxford. Somebody was murdered violently in, during the Holocaust. Same thing happened in Rwanda, uh, Albania. These things are awful, and they permeate generations. And this is the key to me. This is what we need to focus on. Because if you think it just happened to extended people that are in the ripple effects of the event. Like, you know, you ever see shock waves of like big explosions? There's rippling shock waves. Imagine the shock waves of a collective trauma that happens at Oxford to the people involved. It's not just the people that were there or the people that are extended family members or loved ones. It goes on for generational. There is generational trauma. Research has been done showing this is real and it carries on. Babies that were parents of people who survived the Holocaust or were trying to survive the Holocaust, they were babies. You think babies are just there, they're just trying to stay alive every day and they're just trying to be cared for? No, that trauma impacts them. And later in life, there are studies that show that these kids grow up into teenagers and adults and they absorb that trauma and they start to act out in a certain way. And they don't even know why they're doing it before they have to realize and retrace their steps of what happened to them in the first place. It's very real, Leanne. Yeah. It sounds crazy. Yeah. The first time true. that I, yeah, the first time that I really learned about that was last year with all of when I was really kind of not learning about, well, yeah, learning. I was really trying to understand, um, everything um with the racial um environment like everything that was going on i was trying to get deeper into it and really get um what they were going through like what other people are going through i'm a white woman i have it pretty easy like um but i was really trying to understand um and that's where it came up is that they people of my generation that like people say, you know, well, you still have it pretty good and whatever, like, you know, black people and Asian people and whatever. They're like, you didn't go through what, you know, your parents and your grandparents went through, but they did because of that trauma that was brought through generation to generation. And still now they're still not, you know, there's anyway, they have all this. It doesn't matter if it's, happening right now that generational yeah. trauma is just it's so um and it, it it does it happen does it happen because we weren't processing things is that like a big part of it that like when it it goes generation to generation i understand the like if if something happened to me awful and then I was having a child and I was still carrying all of that with me. I understand that my baby will end up having the trauma passed on to them because that they're feeding off of what I've got going on. But then that baby too will then have it that their kid will also have those cells and like that because that's what it is, right? It's trauma that's within the cells that are going and being passed on. 
Is it not? Genetics. That's what I was reading. Genetic. So That's is right. there you a activate genetic, uh, you know, you, you activate genetic material to be pushed onto your offspring because of the trauma you're experiencing without even realizing it's happening. Right. So is there, uh, there's a possibility of with more conversations like this, more people going into counseling, more people going and getting the help that they need. And because that, that hasn't happened, people don't necessarily like generations ago, people weren't talking about anything that was going on. Um, is it possible that in a couple generations that we would be able to have a better take on our dealing with this, that then there won't be as much generational? Do you think that's possible? I don't if I don't understand how that would happen though, right? How could that happen? Because I feel like I feel like so right now, all of the parents and all of the kids in those schools and they are going through this is, was very traumatic. Yes. And they are going through like they will carry this for the rest of their life. But is it possible that if with the right treatments, with talking about it properly, with being able to come not come to terms, yes, come to terms with it, um, would they be able to get themselves to a point that they don't, they're not passing that along to their kids? Or maybe uh, it it's is, less. It, it is possible, but it, it could be a challenge because some of this some of it is insidious and you're not really clear what you're feeling. You have to have a lot of self-awareness and you would really have to dedicate yourself to being, don't lying yourself, not living in denial. And these are things that are easier said than done for a lot of people. And that's really the kind of the underlying mystery of all this with this collective traumas that leads to these passing down of generational traumas. And they're not just, they happen in massive events like this with Oxford and the shooting. They also happen with, years and years of uh, turmoil of poverty and struggle and day-to-day -day frustration that leads to abuse that you start to abuse yourself and then you have kids and you're activating genetic triggers that you're passing down to your children without even realizing it because you haven't you might not even be aware i mean this may sound odd but in a way the direct victims of the Oxford shooting and their immediate loved ones, they're aware of what happened. Where it gets complicated and mysterious and insidious is the rest of the community you're talking about who might not realize they're being impacted by it because they weren't directly involved with someone who, that they knew. Uh, it could be somebody at the middle school. Like we were talking over the weekend, we had a friend who had uh, his brother's kids were in middle school and elementary school within the Oxford public school system. It wasn't directly at the high school but they were afraid. But what if there was just, what if there was kids who went to those schools, the lesser schools outside, I mean lesser, I mean the smaller middle schools, the elementary schools, the preschools in the Oxford community. And you didn't think that these kids were affected because they don't know these kids that lost their lives or they don't know anybody who was impacted directly by the event. You might take everything's hunky-dory or, or at least copacetic, not hunky-dory, but at least reasonable enough to say, okay, well, I think we're going to be okay. We're lucked out. We're very grateful that we, all of our children are okay. But that's when it begins. That's when this possible collective trauma and generational trauma can be activated and grow. And if you're not aware of it, that's the, 
Yeah, that's the scary part about it, Leanne, is you're like, oh, man, I'm not even aware. And then 20 years later, you're like, oh, my God, look at all these things I did. I don't even know why I did them. You know, I abused myself. I abused alcohol. I uh, was addicted to pills. Uh, I was a sex addict. What any, you know, gambling, all these types of addictions that grow out of this or, or self-sabotaging behavior where you sabotage your own life just because you think that's the, all you deserve. Right? Mm-hmm. Scary. And I think it's a fascinating field that uh, I'm working on my master's in clin clinical mental health counseling right now. And uh, next June, I'll be starting my practicum and internship. I'll be in the field and I'm fascinated by this area. I think it's a really important area. It's a growing area of therapy or at least not even therapy, but like theoretical understanding of human actions, you know, uh, anthropology and sociology and things like that. So I, I think we need to do, there's more and more that needs to be studied about it because it's a newer field in this realm. And we want people to know that we are not experts, by the way. I'm an, I'm an expert in training. Not there yet, though. And Leanne is just a caring individual. She's the most empathetic person I've ever met in my life. And that's why we do the show together, because we both want to make this world... Uh, we can't always make it a better place, but we could try to open the lines of communication so that we can all have a better understanding of the world around us and maybe make it a little bit easier on ourselves, right? Yes. Are you crying? You're crying. No, it's fine. I, I'd <laughs> yeah. be happy to cry. It's fine. So yes. we encourage crying on the show, by the way. Everyone, you're welcome to cry. Yes. Men, you're more than welcome to cry. If I could yes. cry right now, I would. I'm just not yes. feeling, I'm just not, I'm just so focused on this, the fascination yes. of, and the danger of these traumas. Uh, let's get a couple mm -hmm. comments in here. Ed said, I have no idea about what happened. I don't know anything about the victim or the gunman. I can't imagine how sick someone has to be to commit such a lethal act. This may be a pop. This may not be a popular opinion, but I believe the 15-year-old gunman is a victim as well, and that's what I was saying, Ed. Sure, it's in these moments right now, especially right after these events happen. It's easy to say, "Oh, that kid was awful. The kid's sick. He's the devil. Or, you know, he's that kid needs to go to prison for the rest of his life." And you can never undo what happened. The lives that were lost can never be taken away, but. We also need prison reform in this world. This country is awful when it comes to our rehabilitation system. This kid's 15 years old. Remember that. Remember some of the mistakes? We've talked about this on the show, Leanne. Mistakes I made at 15 or 14 or mistakes you made at 16 or 17. Yes, I never killed anyone. I, I felt pretty confident about knowing the difference between right and wrong there. And I'm not excusing this kid's behavior in any way, so please don't jump on me for that. What I'm trying to do is trying to put ourselves in the situation of the parenting that he received or did not receive at all. And we, what we know about these parents, I'm talking about the facts, not rumors. Not that great, to say the least, I think. Um, you know, buying a kid a gun for Christmas is not unheard of. If you're, if you're a gun-toting family and you, you do it the right way and you have gun locks and you know the right and wrong way to handle firearms. I respect those types of people. I do. But this was not one of those cases. And you allow a 15-year-old developing kid to have free reign on a firearm who's also struggling with other issues that are social, like maybe possible bullying or else he felt out as an outcast or people didn't like him, which happens. You know how common it is to not be liked in high school? Mm -hmm. That's not an excuse to kill anybody, though. It's not. But 
Imagine what it's like to. There's a whole other social media component of this conversation that we haven't even tapped into, Leanne, mm -hmm. about what's happening on social media every day and how quickly it is to make comments about people that are easier to say because you're not saying them face to face. Videos about, oh, look what that person's wearing. Oh, she looks so fat. Or that kid got zits. Look at him. He looks like a loser. I, I, these, these are examples of the things that kids say. Teenagers say it's awful. I lived in high school. It could be, I was really mean to a lot of kids. Not cool. Not cool at all. And now it's on social media. And how is how are these public school systems or private school systems supposed to know what's going on with all these different social media? If you got Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, Instagram, there's just several different formats that kids are using. And it could be private and secret. You're not necessarily knowing what groups they're in, like private groups where they talk shit about everybody. It's, I mean, are you getting exhausted by what I'm just saying? I mean, this is overwhelming. That's These kids, that's the whole thing. Like I had a friend that um, had a, a daughter and I never thought about it. Like you think about it in like social media, but you don't think about they're lying in bed. And what we used to do is we used to get picked on in high school. Everybody got picked on. You get picked on in high school and you feel awful. And But one of the things that all of our generation would say is I don't want to go to school tomorrow. That would be the answer is I don't want to go to school tomorrow. But for these kids, that's not the answer because they're it's happening right here on their phone all day, every single day. They can never get away from it. And then the way that Facebook and all of them make this is they make it an addictive device. They make it so then even yep. though you know I'm getting bullied when I go on here, I don't want to go on here, the logical thing would be is I'm getting off of Facebook or I'm getting off of this, but they've created it that you can't turn off of it. You need to always be going and looking, even though you know that you're being literally abused on these places. Yep, it's that's just, a great point. And on top of that, so there's that part of it that you're being bullied all day, every day. You're seeing people living these amazing lives that are like, mm -hmm. you know, 30 second increments of their entire week is posted and you think that's their life. But then you're also seeing all the rest of the kids that are struggling and that are having this ideation and having these discussions like, oh, God, I wish that yep. like somebody would just like do this. And oh, gosh, when that happened, at least they were gone. Oh, God. And like they're having these conversations where 98 percent of the kids that are saying I wish I could just burn down the school would never do the things they're still saying it. They're getting together. And then there just has to be the one kid that says I could do it. I could be the one I could do the one yes. that does that. And that sounds sick, but that's, there's where I build my community. That's, that's where I feel like I belong because everybody's talking about how awful it is and I can make the change and I can go and do the thing. So it's so, there's just so much to it. Yep. And they can go in and they can see, we never knew all the details of anything that was happening when we were in, when we were young. You never knew all of the details and all of the backstory. And it was like, when we had big things on the news, it was like, that's what it was. This is it. Now it's like, you can go on social media, not social media, you can go on the internet and you can get every single detail of like, every single bullet, every single this, every single that. And like, 
whatever you focus on builds in your life. That's just what it is. So that's like goal setting, any of this kind of stuff. You want to focus on what you want. But if you focus on something like that, you could become addicted to all of the details of like this mass shooting, this school shooting. Somebody right now could be just like getting totally into that and then thinking that that's not that it's okay, but that's what they're seeing. And then I don't know. It's just, there's just too much, I feel. There's just oh, they too could. much. Unfortunately, these events do, they could breed copycats. I, I, we haven't seen it very often, but it does, it gets so much attention and coverage. You're right. That somebody who wanted to dive into this stuff, and we seem to have a, I don't know what type of curiosity it is, but there's a curiosity about Crime. I mean, true crime podcasts are out of this world popular. Everyone's obsessed with serial killers and these these things that people do because I understand that the human nature is it's pro, it's a curiosity. You're like, wow, I'm so fascinated. Why would people do this? I mean, we're all so normal. <laughs> Just uh, if you're saying how normal you are, you're probably lying to yourself or denial, and that's okay. That's your right. If you want to live this life that way, it's fine. Uh, we have to manifest our own existence, right, Leanne? Yes. Yes. The other thing, I was watching a TV show last night. Um, well, not the whole show, but I watched a few minutes of it. It's called The Rookie. And it's um, like off of like the same guy from Castle. And it's like one of those. It's a it's a cop show. Yeah. Anyway, I've watched it before and I love it because I love that guy. I can't remember what his name is. But anyway. Um, Isn't he blind? Is he blind? No, he's not. No. Never mind. I'm thinking of a different no, show. Go ahead. Not this show. No. Um, anyway, and so it is where they'll have like one or two main, uh, crimes that are happening and you are watching as all the police force are doing their things. Uh, I've watched it. I like, my heart is just like it. I don't even know why I watch it, but anyway, I cannot break away from it. If I get in there, you know, 10 minutes before it's off, I have to watch like the entire thing. Cause I have to see if they're going to catch the guy, whatever. Anyway, Last night, they changed – I don't know. Maybe they changed it a month ago. I don't know. But they changed it that now the way that they're filming it, it's like – you know those uh, – and I'm going to date myself, but do you remember Doom? I think that was the game that it – or what was it called? Yes. Anyway, it was like one of those – Yep. And it just sounded like you could hear them breathing and it was like scary, like whatever, and you could like go around the corners and see. Well, now they have all of these kinds of like scary war games and, and cop games. But now just even on the TV shows, they have body cams where it's like you're, part, you're the shooter and you can see the gun in front of you shooting the people and you can see, then you can see the cops, what they're doing. Like, so it's, you're not just watching it happen in front of you. Now they're creating these TV shows that are, it's what your vision would be if you were the shooter, if you were committing this crime, if you were... And I think that's so like our our imagination is strong enough. I don't think that they need to be doing this too. Like it's making yeah. it way too real. I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is a hyper violent society as it is anyway. So it's not really good. I mean, all that stuff's available all day, every day on the internet. Stuff much worse than that, frankly, is available. So you can what watch it? real body cam footages of actual murders, or you can watch stuff from other parts of the world where. Chop people's heads off, or they kill people. Oh you know, my all gosh! Kinds of stuff, okay, so. what are people saying in the comments? Yes, okay. Yeah, oh, you don't want to hear that anymore. Okay, I'm sorry. 
Uh, Josh says, uh, in situations like this, I believe it is best to come closer together as a community and a collective group to deal with trauma. Well, that does sound like a good idea, Josh. I agree. Ed says, there is enough of these acts of violence in schools. Forget about the gun control laws. When will this change how we deal with the need for mental health in our schools? Whether it's abuse, bullying, racial, whatever, support is needed. For example, offer classes on coping skills. That just sounds too obvious, frankly. Uh, people like to hide things. The American way has always been to deny that things are in front of you, at least in the public sphere. This is not happening. Everything's normal. Let's get back to business, which is just some of the most awful advice that you could ever give anybody, even in the public sphere. So many bad habits have been learned as a civilization. Might be too late to even undo it, frankly. Uh, I don't believe that's possible, but I, I understand that point of view. Josh says, this goes outside of the specific event. I know afterwards, me and my wife had thoughts about our kids in school. Because this could happen anywhere. That's right. That's what we're talking about. Anytime, place, And even if you're not directly involved, you might, you might be impacted in a way. Because an event like a school shooting is so, so common. It is common in the United States. And it happens many times a year. Dozens of times a year. Check the facts. Check the record books, unfortunately that you and other people like you, Josh, and your family start to wonder, oh my God, are we going to be next? And that it does start to creep into you and this fear and this worry. And it is, it could be a traumatic effect on you without being directly involved. That's the whole point, Leanne. Yeah. yeah. A lot of comments. Good job here, guys. Another comment I would like to make is I would not be quick to put all the blame on the parents or the parents raised. Also, how much did the individual's situation play a role? Ed, that is... Very fair. And I think these are the these are the kind of questions that need to be asked, but people don't want to probe. They want to condemn. They want to shut it down. Guilty. Go away forever. Eye for an eye type stuff. And I can understand vengeance. I get it. If you feel so emotional that you lost your daughter, your son, your loved one, and you just want revenge, even though it won't bring your child back, I have found, and this is not me personally, but the stories I've read about this and researched there's a catharsis in actually getting to know the person who perpetrated the crime against your loved one and having conversations with them as human beings. And then you start to find out more things about their experience that are so awful. It, it is not always going to be the way, and it's not for everybody either, but you'd be surprised the kind of cathartic understanding you can get by facing and discussing as a human one-on-one -on -one, as opposed to condemning and kill, 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 or, you know, death sentence for you type stuff. Just saying. I'm sure it's not the most popular opinion, but look into the research. It is out there. Uh, more comments. Wow. Uh, Michelle says, I do hold the parents accountable. They lived with their child. They had to see odd behaviors or else they turned a blind eye. They knowingly bought up a gun and on that fateful day were called into school because of a very violent drawing their son drew. I'm sorry, but the parents should have been forthcoming and checked about the gun. Or at the very least, told the school personnel they spoke with. Okay. Yeah. And she says there's been at least 20 school shootings since August of 2021 in the United States. Well, there you go. That was three months ago. I'll have to double check the facts on that, but I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. What is defined as a school shooting either? That could be data keeping stuff that I don't care about. But the bottom line is, Leanne. This happens often, more often than it ever should. It doesn't happen in Canada. 
doesn't happen in Australia. And then we have to ask ourselves why. But the truth is, we don't need to ask ourselves why, do we? No, we don't. And the the thing is, is that like, we, yeah, we don't have school, like massive school shootings here. Um, we just don't. And, and probably the big thing is not, the people are all the same. It's just, we don't have the, like, we're our gun, whatever. Anyway, we're not going to get into the gun laws, but it's just very different over here. Like it's, it's very different with our guns and, and how readily available they are and what you're supposed to do and all this kind of stuff. So it's very difficult. Um, but there's still just as much, um, bullying and, um, mental, um, health issues within our school and with our kids. And, um, I don't know, like, it doesn't matter. This is just, I mean, this is awful because children are being traumatized, but our kids, all of us, but all of our kids are being traumatized every single day, like every single day inside of like the way that people are behaving, how much everybody is being neglected. There's so much to it. Like, and that's the whole thing is like, I, what you said, I've heard that before about if the the family of the victim can get to know, at, at least even if you don't get to know the person because you can't be in a room with them, but getting to know their story. Um, this could happen later. Yeah. I'm not saying later. Right no, later. right now, obviously, no. But we've- it's too fresh. I've, I've heard stories like that, that, you know, like even just five, 10 years later that they finally like- okay, I want to meet this person and I've, I've held way too much anger toward that person. There's power um, and forgiveness. There's a tremendous uh, f- emotional feeling that feels good in forgiveness, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes it's a more difficult path, right? But I think mm-hmm. it could be the more rewarding path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Ed said, uh, I don't want to compare my school days with these traumatic situations, but he was repeatedly picked on, teased, etc. However, Ed says he was able to push back when necessary and had support from many friends. I wonder what I could have done if I felt alone, or I wonder what I would have done if I felt alone or felt helpless. Yeah, that's a great point, Ed. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has a social support system. There's people who are completely isolated, even neglected by their parents, just left to fend for themselves and it might not even be that obvious they might look like oh that kid lives in a good neighborhood or whatever that doesn't mean anything Mm-mm. don't be fooled by the mirages and the illusions of all the the luster in the physical material world of this country it doesn't mean that somebody is well taken care of by any means ah, so many so much here that is it just you can find out about all this stuff which is a little bit of discussion a little bit of discussion it is mm-hmm. I want to remind people when it comes to grief and loss, though, we've talked about grief and loss on the show before. In fact, we did at least one. Did we do two? I feel like we did two. Yeah, we did at least two episodes on grief, loss. We talked about loss, not just like life loss. There's a lot of losses that can happen in your life that are very traumatic. And if you want to go back and check out those old episodes, they're all available on every standard issue podcast platform. The First Day Podcast is always there for you. And if you are on the Apple podcast platform, you could give us a five-star review. It'd be very nice. It would be, it'd be something that, as the holidays are here, be a wonderful holiday treat, wouldn't it, Leanne? Yes, it would be. I'd See, love look to how happy that. she is. 
<laughs> yeah, see? Who doesn't want to make Leanne happy? Look at her. Come on. <laughs> but remember, when it comes to grief and loss, uh, you won't feel like this forever. You can handle it even when you think you can't. You really can. There's a lot of feelings you'll be having initially that aren't always going to permeate. You will get through it. Uh, time, this is my own personal experience. I've lost two friends who at a very young age, two years apart. Life was snuffed out from them before it ever got to get going. And I can tell you that time really is the ultimate winner here. The more time goes on, the, the more accepting you are. This is because you start to live through this cycle of life and this existence, this experience that we are on. And, and you realize that it's just, uh, just the way it goes sometimes. The time does make it easier, I believe. Now, maybe uh, you would disagree, but that's my experience. Uh, be nice to yourself. Be gentle to yourself. Okay, Leanne? And your feelings are normal, very common. This is where normal makes sense. Your feelings of anger and strong emotive responses those are typical, and that's okay. That's It's okay not to be okay, right, Leanne? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've said that on this show. You did a whole yeah. episode on it, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And I say that a lot because I need to remind myself that it's okay because I turn – I try to shut it down, and I'm realizing that that's really not a good, a good way to do it. So – and collective trauma would – oh, what's this? Josh says, I was bullied badly at school and home. I did find outlets at the time to, to not be turned down. The, oh, yeah, the dark path. That's good. And that's the whole thing is that, like, finding outlets is a really good um, way. You know, different things, sports or the arts or anything that you can do to kind of get past, not past it, but work through it. Um Melissa, she was on here and she was talking about she does recreational Melissa therapy. Melissa Tarr. Yeah, Melissa Tarr. She was doing recreational therapy. She, I mean, she still does. That's what she does. Um, really important. I feel like that is like going to be huge for these schools. I think that would be really, really helpful. Um, but I was going to say, even like when we talk about collective trauma, everybody that's going through like right now with COVID, um, that's a collective trauma. A lot of people have had major life changes because of this. And I feel like that's something that everybody needs to be having discussions about, you know, and getting through it and losses of work, like you said. Yep. Oh, Josh says they were not always healthy outlets. They were not. Yes, Josh. Uh as someone who bullied Josh because I was his older brother, I just thought that's what you do. So, you know, standard issue. Uh, I'm sorry about that now. It was not ideal. Should have been more supportive to you. You were the youngest and uh, you needed someone to stick up for you. And I, I was wrong. I got that one wrong. But it's never too late to try to get it right. That's the good news. And I'm mm -hmm. glad that Josh has created his own family now. And uh, I support all of them. I support all you guys. I love you guys. And uh, mistakes were made. Fortunately... No, not too worse for the wear, Josh, which makes me happy. One thing that can happen when things like this happen is you can find a lot of meaning suddenly. It might not happen right away, but in the long term, you will become a better person because one thing I've discovered as well, this is not me, this is a lot of the people who can attest to this. Once you go through 
real stuff. You know, tragedy of loss, the sadness of depression, or the anxiety of a day-to-day living where you just don't feel comfortable at all, but you find solace with others eventually. Uh, Loss can bring you meaning, and it can make you a better person. I know it sounds like a real backwards thing to say, but it happens. Uh, You know, my my drug addiction changed me. I, I, I already felt more empathetic because of the friends and the loved ones I lost, absolutely. And then my drug addiction made me even more empathetic because... Once you get treated like an outcast and people don't want to be around you at all and they dismiss you because you're high all the time, then you're like, oh, wow, that doesn't feel pretty good. And then you become more pathetic to people who feel that way right now or you can identify them more easily. And when something like Oxford happens and young kids have their lives snuffed out from them, very sad, it's very unfortunate, But I bet there will be some people that come out of this community better people, believe it or not. And I'm not saying that we need to be doing this to get to be better people. You can definitely become a more empathetic person and a more understanding and caring person without having to go through this stuff. But unfortunately, sometimes these events, one of the benefits in a way or one of the outcomes that could be of use, instead of just being generational trauma handed down and more and more trauma being handed down everywhere, there's actually a a benefit of, hey, I understand pain more, a lot more, and I can see that you're in pain, and I don't want what happened to the person I cared about to happen to you. And you start to become more open to accessing and connecting with people. Now, at the same time, there's people that could totally turn inward from this event and just go down an awful spiral for the next 25 years. It's very possible. In fact, that probably will happen to somebody, unfortunately. But there is, there is a lighter side of hope and of understanding and solace that can come from events like this. And I want you guys to take that away with you from today's show. I really do. I don't want it to be all doom and gloom. There's a lot of healthier, more constructive ways that we can treat one another. Right? That was beautiful. Absolutely. Josh says, sometimes rude awakenings happen to make us see things differently. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Rude, putting it mildly. Yeah, uh, brutal awakenings. Uh, Josh himself just went through a very traumatic experience, you know, survived heart surgery. And I bet he's more grateful to be alive today than he was then. I I can't speak for him, but I'm pretty confident. I'm sure he's got a little bit more gratitude. Gratitude grows out of pain sometimes, and that's okay. That's okay. We don't want to have people have to be killed. We don't want to lose people. No one should be murdered. That is not what we want at all. But sometimes these intense, dramatic events, they rally people together. We saw some of it after 9-11. Some of it was kind of overhyped on the government side, but actual real human beings connected with one another, and they tried to help one another. And you saw a lot of that in the firefighter communities and the you know police and all that stuff, that there was a lot of uh, picking each other up, first responders overall. And that's something that can happen. Uh, Michelle says, the trauma not only lies with those who lost loved ones in this horrible crime, but also for all the teachers and students who were there. I cannot even imagine what they went through and are going through now. Yeah. Absolutely. I was. A t- I used to be a teacher. I haven't even mentioned that on today's show. I just... I didn't think it was important because it's not about me, but something I reran active shooter drills. It was just so weird. 
Mm. We did all we did those a couple times a year. Wow. And all the kids never took them that seriously because they were drills. Nobody takes any type of drill. It doesn't matter if it's a fire drill. That's sad, and it's very, very, very disappointing that active shooter drills are as common as fire drills and tornado drills here in Michigan. Yeah. But you need yeah. that, unfortunately. It's awful. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, teachers out there, I, I can understand. There are teachers who get out of the game because they actually are afraid of these events now. That's that's the current climate we're living in in the United States. It's Say that out loud. Say it to somebody down the street. It's It sounds absurd when you say it, but it's absolutely real. And I think it's a real indictment of where we are right now. In our country, it's very sad. Josh says, when I was in school, it was bomb threats or threat drills. Yeah, like like I said, fire drills. Tornado drills, bomb threats have happened on occasion. Somebody, this is the thing, too. There's a bunch of pranks that happened after this in our area here. In Wayne County, there was a couple people arrested. These kids, see, kids are also kids. This is another thing. They're 16 years old. They're 14 years old. Somebody kills real human beings who lost their lives. They'll never come back to this earth. And it's awfully, awfully, awfully. It's the most, it's the ultimate pain. It's the ultimate pain. But then there's still teenagers out there. The next day, the day after that, we're making threats at their local public schools that they were going to kill people and stuff. That is just, it just shows you what immaturity is all about. Like We would not do that as adults. It sounds like the worst thing you could do. But that's my point about this 15-year-old. I'm not defending him, but it's just immaturity. We all have gone through the immaturity of life, and we're all just kind of grateful that we made mistakes that were smaller than others. Exactly. That's all I'm just trying to get you to think about. That's all. I'm not here to, I'm not taking any sides. This is all about information, opening your mind, spreading ideas, and talking with people about them. If you don't agree, that's fine. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing either. It's just about communicating and getting a greater breadth of understanding. Mm-hmm. I think a good if 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 you're listening to this and you have kids and they're not in that area, they're not even in Michigan. Um, ask them tomorrow how they're feeling about everything. Like I feel like we need to start talking about all of it. Like how is this making you feel? And yep. And really not only listening to – and I, like, again, I'm not a parent. I totally get it. Like, I have no right to say how to parent your children. Um, I've been in this conversation with friends that are like, but we can do this with our kids, but we can also do this with our friends. We can do this with our family. Weren't you a child once, though? Yeah, it's not – I still don't have the right to talk to people oh, about okay. their I'm children. Sorry. Yeah, it doesn't like work that way. I was a child once. So. Yeah, so – but here's the whole thing is that – I think that we need to start looking people in their eye and watching their body gestures and their, the way that they hold themselves when you ask them questions about how they're feeling. Because there's – I do this with you all the time, Mike. Like you'll ask me how I'm doing and I'll say, I'm okay. But like you can tell I'm not okay. And so the easy route is to say, how are you doing? And listening for that okay and then saying, well – I asked my kid or I asked my sister and she said she was okay. So, but when you see that their body language is changing or you see that there, there's something going on, ask the next question or be there for them. And the next day, maybe ask again in a different way. 
Um, because like you said, it's going to be hitting people differently. And even if you don't think that it should be affecting them because they're not close, they didn't know anybody, whatever, it's going to affect us all very differently, all everything. And I think that we just need to start having more questions about, are you okay? And if you're not, that's okay. Let's talk about it or not talk about it. Let's just be in the same room and sit together. And um, so I think if anything can come out of this show, it's that bringing up the conversations and just sitting in it and talking about it. Even if you feel like your your feelings shouldn't be justified, they are. So The past doesn't have to dictate the next events or the next actions you take. You could wipe the slate clean right now. Amen. All the mistakes. If you're a parent and you're hearing this right now, you're like, oh, man, I made all these mistakes and the kid is so pissed. Or, or if you're a kid and you feel like your dad or your mother, or your parent is angry or disappointed at you because of all these previous mistakes you've made, you could just clear it all right now. You could do it by being vulnerable and telling the parent or the parent telling the child how you really feel right now. You're afraid or you're scared. You're vulnerable. I need to help. I'm worried. I'm afraid. I need assistance. I don't want all my past actions to dictate our lack of communication. I don't want to close these gaps. I want to increase the gap. Open up so that we can have a better understanding of one another. And all of the past, all of... Every action, every discussion, every argument you've ever had, it can all be wiped away if you choose to right now, right now. Yeah. It is possible. I know it could be challenging. I get it, trust me. But if we can all swallow our egos, there's a lot of positive opportunities that can awaken to all of us. There really are. There really is. All right, a couple comments before we go. We got to get out of here. Ed says, I've experienced some pain from trauma and loss. What a beautiful thing that resulted is I can now appreciate the small things in life. Actually, Ed finds himself with more gratitude for family, relationships, interactions, play, etc. So, well said, Ed. Good for you. That's wonderful news. Josh says, Nick has listened to this podcast, and I've talked to him about what has happened. Excellent job. Nick is Josh's son. He's my niece. Hey, Nick. Good job, buddy. I'm proud of you. Listen to your father. I say niece. You did. I did say niece. Mm-hmm. I say niece. Sorry, Nick. You're my nephew. I didn't mean that. Uh, there's nothing wrong if you're a niece, too. That's cool. Uh, mm-hmm. He has also been dealing with bullying lately, and we've been talking to him about it. Well done, Josh. That's good parenting. Don't live in denial. Don't buy gifts. Hey, here's some toys. Go have fun. That is not the answer. The answer is to talk yes. about it directly. So that you feel your child can come back and talk to you, especially when something's going down that you're not aware of that they really need someone to talk to about. Yes. And Michelle says, this has been all over the national news. I believe parents should talk with their children about this no matter where they live. Well, that's a good idea. A fine idea, Mom. I agree. All right, that's it for the first day podcast. We're out of here. Thank you so much. It's been a fantastic episode. You guys have been very, very thoughtful and inspiring in the comment section, which you guys could do every time we do a show, a live chat. Uh, we'll be back this Sunday. Uh, the time change, don't worry about that now. Maybe we'll take a break after Christmas, you know, and then we'll come back fresh after the new year. But Leanne does love getting ready for the new year, so she'll probably want to do a lot of shows about what we can do in 2022. So <laughs> who knows? Uh, all I do know is that you can catch us at First Day Pod on all standard social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, Instagram. 
Firstdaypod at gmail.com is our email. Send us an email if you have any questions about the show. Uh, next week, we're going to have on a new guest. He's going to be talking about his personal story with gambling. Gambling addiction. Yes. He's a friend of mine. He's a friend of ours, and he's asked us to come on the show Saturday. We said, yeah, you can come on for sure, buddy. So he's going to be on with us next Sunday, this coming Sunday, to talk mm -hmm. about his experience. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, very excited about that. Yeah, and Me we've too. got the challenge. We've got a challenge going on. It's just a five-day challenge. It just started today. So if you want That's right. more details about it, you can head over to our Facebook. Um, there's a post about it. And um, we're also doing like a messenger group chat to uh, keep us all motivated for the week. So um, we'd love to have you over there as well. So far, so, so good. So far, so good on my end, too. <laughs> Yay! Well, the first okay. day is easiest. Day two is harder. It wasn't easy. It just has been okay. okay. <laughs> Even day one. Okay. So, um, yeah. Thank you. And Michelle, yeah, we've got people from the podcast that are already in it. Um, Michelle, Ed, thank you so much for joining. It helps when we're in a community and doing it together. That's it. Bye.